You're listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. Bridges is a house church movement meeting in homes all across Music City. To find a house church near you or to find other ways to support or get involved, go to bridgesnashville.com. It's known as the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon or the frequency illusion. Now this occurs when something you never really paid that much attention to, like maybe a TV show, was mentioned by your friend and all of a sudden you're hearing advertisements on your phone, you're seeing stuff pop up on your TV. Seems like it's everywhere. Or maybe somebody tells you about a type of shoe that you never even knew existed and all of a sudden you're seeing it everywhere pop up on advertisements. Your next door neighbor even has those shoes. This happened recently when our worship pastor Patrick told me about Yeezys. Okay, the frequency illusion happens often when you buy a car and you thought you would be the only one to drive a car that cool or that unique, but as soon as you drive it off of the sales lot, you start to see it everywhere. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden, magically, there are more Chevy trucks on the road than existed before, or that the world is playing some kind of cruel prank on you. It simply means that your brain has become more aware of that object. You know, as I, when I was in college, uh, my sophomore year, I had a psychology class with over 600 students. Now, it was a class that I mostly tuned out of, sorry to my professors, and I, I really didn't look forward to it. Sometimes I even skipped it. That was until I met Sarah, who, uh, of course, now is my wife of 16 years. I met Sarah on a Thursday at a Campus Crusade for Christ event. I was playing drums. She was in the front row. Pretty sure after I noticed her, I messed up every beat that night. Uh, but we got to talking and it turns out that Sarah was in the same psychology class that I was in with over 600 students. Now, I had never seen her before in that class, but now that I was aware of Sarah being in the same room, it changed my outlook on that class. When I became aware that we had the same classroom and the same hour of time that we could be hanging out, all of a sudden I looked forward to going to class because I had a babe to sit next to you, right? Something was different. And it happened when I became aware. Now today we're gonna to kick off a three-part online-only series called The Presence of God. The world doesn't need another great worship band or song or even another great church service. We need more of God's presence. One moment in the presence of God can change everything. Our vision statement at Bridges is to be a place where his presence and his people connect. God's presence changed everything for Abraham when he called him out of the tent and said, look up at the stars, I will make your descendants as numerous as these and all nations of the earth will be blessed. Abraham heard the voice of God in his presence. Listen, the presence of God changed everything for Moses when he appeared to him in the burning bush and called him to rescue his people, Israel, out of the hand of Egypt. That place became holy ground. God's presence was with Elijah, who called down fire from heaven to prove that God was the only one worthy of worship. But as we look all throughout the Old Testament, as we read the Psalms even, I think we understand that this guy David was someone special who understood the presence of God in a unique way. He desired it more than anything else in his life. The Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. He couldn't live without the presence of God. In fact, David desired one day in his presence more than anything else. You know, he wrote in Psalm 42, verse 1, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. Interesting side note here. 
Deer don't pant in the same way that dogs do. See, dogs will pant whenever they're hot or thirsty, but a deer only pants when it's being chased by a predator. And as soon as a deer escapes from their enemy, they go to look for water to be refreshed. But if a deer runs for too long and they can't find safety, they wind up panting themselves to death. See, at the time that David wrote Psalm 42, he was actually being chased by his son Absalom, who was trying to take over his throne. And David was crying out to God from his soul, knowing that only God could save his life. David loved the presence of God. He wanted to spend time with God. Psalm 84.10, a single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. David knew that nothing else could satisfy like the presence of God. Nothing else even compared. He wrote in Psalm 34, verse 8, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in Him. David knew that in God's presence is life. This is where life made sense. It's where his soul was refreshed. Psalm 16, verse 11. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. David was the most prolific songwriter in all of the Bible, and he often would write songs describing the presence of God. Now, Psalm 139 is probably one of David's most famous songs. And here's what it says. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. In this passage, David is writing about the omnipresence of God. Omni comes from the Latin meaning all or of all things. For the music producers out there, an omnidirectional mic is a microphone that can record in every direction, right? Omni is used to describe a few things when it comes to the all-encompassing greatness of God. He's omniscient, which means he is all-knowing. God knows everything there is to know. He is omnipotent or omnipotent, all-powerful. There's nothing God cannot do, and God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. There's not a place on this planet that God is absent. Now, it's important here to make the distinction that all things are not God, as pantheism would teach. Uh, pantheism likens God to the universe and that essentially everything is God. So touching a leaf in your backyard is the same as touching God. In an effort to make all things divine, pantheism renders the divine worthless in its entirety. Listen, if everything was holy, then holiness wouldn't exist. It means set apart. God created all things, but all things are not God. God's omnipresence exists everywhere. You can't outrun Him. You can't hide from Him. He will always find you. Not to overwhelm you with fear, but to overcome you with His love. God cannot be confined to one place. When you realize this, you'll, you'll see that your living room can become a sanctuary for His presence just as much as any time that we come together to worship at the Listening Room Cafe for a worship night or first Sunday. Your car can become a place of prayer and worship just the same as a sanctuary in a church building. But today, I not only want to talk about His omnipresence, I want to talk about a deeper facet of God's presence that we've been given full access to because of Jesus Christ. We call this the manifest presence of God. In his book, The Pursuit of God, A.W. Tozer writes, the presence and the manifestation of the presence are not the same. There can be one without the other. 
God is here when we're totally unaware of it. He is manifest only when and as we are aware of His presence. You see, on our part, there must be surrender to the Spirit of God, for His work is to show us the Father and the Son. And just like the frequency illusion with a car or a show on television, we must become aware of God's presence in our lives and at work everywhere. Now, you can become aware of His presence through the power of His Holy Spirit. It takes yielding and trusting on our part. We have the Holy Spirit within us, and this wasn't always the case. Before the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit only showed up to certain people on certain times for certain purposes. It wasn't until the Spirit was unleashed upon all people at Pentecost that mankind would have complete, uninterrupted access to the presence of God in a whole new way. We're going to talk more about that in just a moment. 1 John 4.9 says, We love because He first loved us. Listen, God always makes the first move. This is why we call worship a response. We respond to His great love. God first pursues us, first loves us, and it's only because of that that we can come to Him in the first place. God made us with a desire for Himself, and His presence is the only thing that can fulfill that longing. Listen, if you're at a place today in your life where you want something more, you want all that God has for you, His presence is the answer. But desire is the key. See, I can say that I desire to have a six-pack of abs, but if I'm not willing to do crunches and to go running every day, if I'm not willing to do whatever it takes to get that physique, then it's just lip service. As my mom would often tell us growing up, pursuit is the evidence of desire. It's easy for us to say that we want all that God has for us, but to pursue Him with our whole heart is another thing. Complacency is the deadly foe to all spiritual growth. He waits to be wanted, said A.W. Tozer. Now, by the way, there are only two books that I make a point to read every single year, The Bible and The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. I cannot recommend this book enough. If you're wanting to take a deep dive during this series, make sure you pick up that book. The promise of His presence is tied to our pursuit. When we seek the Lord with our whole hearts, He will not hide Himself from us. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Finding and knowing God is the very reason we exist. According to the Westminster Shorter Catechism, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. You know, right now in our culture, we hear a lot of this idea of mindfulness. Now, it means to be fully aware of the moment, which is actually a great thing. But the problem comes when culture teaches us to look inward for the answers that we seek. See, our Christian faith teaches something different altogether, that we need to seek God for our answers. Seek first this kingdom. We're created in His image, which actually means that we're spiritual by design. And interestingly enough, according to Statista research, nearly 30% of Americans actually consider themselves to be spiritual, but not religious. Many people believe there's something more. We're all created with this God-shaped hole that only He can satisfy. We're created to desire more of the Holy Spirit. That's the best kind of spiritual you could ever be. Listen, the world is searching for a way to connect with something beyond what's just in our grasp. I think people are desperate right now for meaning. And I want you to know that everything you're looking for can be found 
in the presence of God. In his presence is uh, meaning, forgiveness, healing, transformation, patience, and best of all, love. Every fruit of the Spirit is there. There's always more. And once we've received salvation, it doesn't just stop there. God calls us into an ever-transforming relationship where we can become more like Christ the more time that we spend with God. 2 Corinthians 3.18. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Okay, what is this veil? Well, in the temple of Jerusalem, the veil was the barrier that blocked people from entering into the Holy of Holies. Going back to Exodus, we have the construction of the tabernacle. So you had the outer courts, the inner courts, and the Holy of Holies. And it was here that the Ark of the Covenant was placed. Now in the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant hosted God's presence. Moses lived many generations before the day of Pentecost. And in the BC days, the Holy of Holies could only be accessed one day a year only by the high priest of Israel. That day was called the Day of Atonement. Now, next week, we're going to actually continue the series looking at the Levites and see how that ties into what Peter wrote in the New Testament about the people of God being a royal priesthood. It's going to be great. So in the Old Covenant, it was one day a year, one place by one person who could access the full presence of God. Oh, but then Jesus came. I love those words. He was the high priest for all time. And when he died on the cross, that veil was torn from top to bottom. Christ made a way for all to come into his presence boldly by grace and in faith. And just as his one sacrifice on the cross did away with all necessary animal sacrifice to atone people of their sins, so he did away with the limited access to God's presence. Listen to what Jesus said to the woman at the well in John 4, 21 to 24. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit. And his worshipers must worship him in the spirit and in truth. Spirit and truth. You can't worship in spirit without the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit and God's presence aren't exactly the same thing, but you usually won't have one without the other. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, inevitably, his presence is there. And wherever the presence of God is at work, the Holy Spirit is moving. Throughout the scriptures, we see a journey of how God's presence and His people connected. In the very beginning, in the Garden of Eden, everything was perfect. No sin, no separation. But when sin entered the story, God's holiness prevented that anytime access. And so you see the presence represented in the tent, and then the tabernacle, and then the temple. And in the New Covenant, or the New Testament, we are the temple. 1 Corinthians 3.16 don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? 
See, everything changed with Jesus. He was literally God's presence in human flesh, walking and talking among us. And he left behind the Holy Spirit, the promised Holy Spirit, which would forever dwell in the people of God. Christ Emmanuel is God with us, and the Holy Spirit is God in us. Now, we've got to get how huge this is. The presence of God who created you, who knit you together in your mother's womb, who knows the number of hairs on your head, he knows your thoughts, your dreams, your hopes, your fears. That God, His presence is available anytime. We simply have to become aware of His presence. I love the song, Holy Spirit, by the Torwaltz. That bridge says, let us become more aware of your presence. See, God is everywhere. We've established that, right? He is omnipresent. Just like David wrote in Psalm 139, there is nowhere that we can run that His presence won't be. Now, this is huge when it comes to dealing with anxiety or fear, because listen to me, wherever you're going in your future, whether that's a meeting or a family gathering, it could be your workplace, your school, wherever you're going that could bring up feelings of anxiety or fear, here's the deal. God is already there. He is already at work in that room, in that space, and you are just stepping into the place where God already is. God exists outside of time and space because He created those things. So when you recognize that you're stepping into a space where God is already moving and already at work, and you just get to join in to that work, oh, that's when anxiety turns into anticipation. It's when fear turns to faith. He is with you and His Spirit is in you. Well, that's the promise of His presence. And that's the message of this series. He's everywhere, but if we aren't aware, then nothing in us can change. I'm reminded of when the two men on the road to Emmaus were walking beside Jesus and they were uh, with him the entire time and they're telling him all of the events that unfolded, but they didn't recognize that the man they were talking about was right there with them. And the Bible says when Jesus broke bread in their home as they sat down to eat, their eyes were opened. Side note, when we share a meal, Christ is present with us. Now, this is one of the reasons I love house church, not just for the food, but for His presence that is with us. Let me come in for a landing. St. Augustine once said, You formed us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. See, the difference between Christianity and every other religion is that we have a God who not only knows us, but can be known by us. We can have an intimate relationship with the God of the universe. We can spend time in His presence every day at any moment we choose. There's no veil that separates us. He waits to be wanted. Let us become more aware of His presence. Thanks for listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. To stay up to date on everything going on at Bridges, you can find us online at facebook.com slash Bridges Nashville or at Bridges Nashville on Instagram.